Hello, welcome my fellow herby friends. Welcome to another episode of Herbal Wisdom. I am Chris Vaughn, certified clinical herbalist and herbalism educator in Arizona. And I wanted to talk to you today um, about sort of an experience that I had yesterday. I was driving to go to an event and I was driving through northern Arizona and I was really um, just struck by the beauty of the desert around me. Now, most of you, if you are not from the desert or familiar with the desert, uh, you might think that it's all dirt and wonder why I think it's so beautiful. Um, but I looked out and I could see just this abundance of plant life out in the desert as I was driving. Um, and it really just solidified for me what I know about our desert and how uh, amazingly fruitful it can be. Uh, we have probably 60% of the plant species in our desert that are medicinal plants, and, and that's huge. That's so much. We have such a diverse population of medicinal plants here in the desert of the southwest. And uh, so I wanted to just sort of talk to you about a few things that I love to see when I'm out in the desert around the area near my home and um, also down in, let's say, the, the Phoenix area. I'm in northern Arizona. So um, one of the first things that I wanted to talk to you about was uh, Opuntia, or what you would know as prickly pear. So this is one of the plants when I go out, I like to go camping and I like to go hiking and I'm always very aware of where I can find a prickly pear cactus. And the reason that I'm super aware of that is because this is one of uh, my most important first aid plants. So if I'm out hiking and let's say I trip over a rock because I'm not um, super graceful, I used to be, but now I'm a bit of a klutz, and I could easily trip over a rock and uh, twist my ankle. So knowing where a prickly pear is is important because I can, you can, uh, cut a pad off the prickly pear cactus, and you can use a couple of big rocks first and scrape all the thorns off, okay? Um, just kind of scraping two rocks down the sides of the pad to remove those big thorns and all the little hairs that are called glockids because uh, those will get you. Um, but you can get all the thorns off first and then take your knife and cut the pad off at the joint where it connects to the other pads. And then you take your knife and you slice it open like you would slice a bagel. And then you can cut those pads into strips and bandage them with the pulp side to, the, to your skin over, let's say, a sprained ankle or um, maybe you broke a bone or something. And you bandage that over that area and it will reduce the swelling. It will reduce the pain that you have from twisting your ankle. Now you can also take the pad that you have cut open and you can use it topically on the skin for bug bites or even a snake bite uh, because it's very drying. It pulls toxins out of the skin. It pulls venom 
out of the skin. And so this is a great thing that you can do while you're on your way to the hospital, for instance. Let's say you got bit by a rattlesnake. That's a big concern here in the desert southwest are the rattlers that we have. So um, this would be an excellent thing to do while you're on your way to the hospital. But, you know, any kind of annoying bug bite, it will help to draw their venom out um, and relieve some pain and help to um, avoid any tissue damage that can happen. Now, um, traditional cultures, uh, Latin American cultures especially, have eaten prickly pear for centuries. This is a major source of food for them. Um, now, this is a refrigerant herb. So eating the, the prickly pear pad does lower your core body temperature. Now, in the middle of the summer in Arizona, when we get to 115 degrees, that's awesome. You know, because if we're overheating, then we want to lower our temperature a little bit. Um, but if you're out in the desert and it's winter time, and it can get really cold in our desert. Um, not such a good idea to be eating this raw. You would definitely want to cook this over a fire a little bit um, and warm that up. It changes, enzymatically it changes um, the prickly pear a little bit, so it's not so hard on our system uh, temperature-wise. And it's a little bit gentler on the kidneys as well. So... Um, that's a few things you can do with prickly pear. And then also eating that pad roasted, uh, like let's say you have a prickly pear in your backyard. You can roast it in your oven at a low temperature for a little bit. And then you scrape out the pulp and you eat that a few times a day and it helps to balance blood sugar as well. Uh, it's really fascinating, um, amazing desert plant. Uh, and you can find it everywhere, all over in Arizona. So um, that's why... I love to make sure that I know exactly where prickly pear is. Um, another plant that we have in the desert is manzanita. And you'll recognize manzanita from its uh, characteristic red-colored bark on the stems of the bush. Now, it is a bush, but it can get very large, and it grows into more you know, of a tree size. Uh, but generally, you'll find bushes. And um, there, I love like summertime to early fall, uh, we go out hunting a lot. And that's the perfect time where the manzanita have their red berries on them. And they're so flavorful. They're very sweet. They're sort of an apple-y sweetness. Um, very seedy. So, uh, you know, you pop a few in your mouth. There's a lot of seeds inside. But they're a delicious food source and a really nice treat when you're out there. Um, now, the leaves, this is the Arctostaphylus genus of plants, and that's our uva ursi. Uh, so the leaves can be made into a tea for urinary tract issues, mainly urinary tract infections, bladder infections, things like that. Um, so you can, you can take the leaves and do it fresh, but it's best if you can harvest some of the leaves, dry them first, and then they'll, they'll keep long term. And then you can grind them up and make a tea with them. Um, really great plant. But I get really excited when I'm out there in the late summer, early fall, and I see the berries. The deer love them. So a lot of deer will eat the berries, and then I love them too. I remember the first time I popped a few in my mouth, my husband was like, no, don't eat the berries. You don't know what those are. I'm like, oh, I know exactly what these are, and they are yummy. So they're one of my favorite treats. So 
those are just a couple of the desert plants that I was paying attention to yesterday, and that really popped into my mind that I wanted to tell you about. And, um, you know, going for, going on in future episodes, I'm sure I'll introduce you to a few more desert plants. But if you're not familiar with those two, the prickly pear or the opuntia, um, which is its Latin name, or the uva ursi or arctostaphylis, which is manzanita, um, then I encourage you to look them up and start to research, you know, who they are and what do they look like and where can you find them. And uh, so when you come across them on your travels, your hikes or whatever, you'll say, oh, yes, I remember Chris talked about these. Uh, and they're just some good friends in the desert to get to know. So I thank you for tuning in again and listening and letting me ramble on about, you know, these things that amaze me. And I hope that if you're listening on the Podbean website that you will click follow. I would love to have you be a follower so you get notified when I post new episodes. And if you are listening to this through my website, then go to herbalwisdom.podbean.com and become a follower and share it with your friends too. Um, if you'd like more information about um, me and what I do, you can find that at my website, which is prescottnaturalhealth.com. You'll find information about what I do as a clinical herbalist, as well as my herbalism school, which is called Herbal Wisdom Institute in Prescott Valley, Arizona, uh, where I'm bringing herbal education to northern Arizona. So thanks again, friends. Until next time, stay herbalicious. We will talk with you with you soon. Bye bye.